All right. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> so thanks for moving forward. I honestly cannot see you if you're in the back row. I just can't, okay? <laughs> I don't have my glasses on. All right. So we're very, very excited again. Um, you know, you got to love the Word of God. <laughs> and I love it when Peter said to Jesus, he said, where, where would we go? Because you have the words of life. And whether we're reading, you know, from Paul's epistles or from, you know, our gospels. Uh, okay, a little pop quiz here. What does synoptic gospels mean? Anybody? Shout out. Okay, good. It, it, which books are the synoptic gospels? Better question. Right. First three Gospels called the Synoptic Gospels because they almost in the same order describe the same miracles, very similar things. Um, and we do have last week's handout if you didn't get it or you just want another one. Cindy, you can see Cindy for that. Um, John tends to be very unique, and he tells the same story of Jesus, only different events. And so um, it's interesting to me that so far I've stayed in the Synoptic Gospels. Next year, next year, next week, I think we'll get into John. How's that? Um, so at the top of your uh, handout there, a uh, couple study tools to be aware of. I'm constantly turning online to BibleGateway.com. Anybody familiar? Yeah. You can look up any verse in any uh, version there is out there. You can look it up in Egyptian Aramaic if you want. It's all there. And so if you've got your reference, you type it in, and then it gives you options, which is actually how I discovered um, Amplified Classic. I didn't know it existed, and then I fell in love with it. So um, any version, if you want a little extra um, commentary on it, they've got tons of resources at BibleGateway.com. Um, the other good resource that I use a lot is um, Sparkling Gems. Um, Rick Renner has been to our church several times. He and his wife, Denise, are missionaries, um, and I believe are currently living in Moscow. But he has a huge ministry, people getting saved um, in the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union, as they say. But uh, he's written a, two books now. The first one was Sparkling Gems. He's got a sequel to it now, too. Uh, he has such a great... Uh, reference section in the back that you can literally look up a word and then turn to it in the book and he will just expound on it uh, because he's actually a Greek scholar so it'll all be New Testament um, not Hebrew words but the Greek words and I just we're going to take a portion of uh, our study today that I uh, drew from that resource as well so I just wanted to throw some of those things out there all right <laughs> I don't know how this happened because it wasn't my original intention, but everything turns into a worksheet. I just, I don't know. It just started happening. So you do have a fill-in-the-blank in front of you. And um, what I like, and on the back side this week, you have some discussion questions. So we'll make sure that we get time for, for discussing and sharing. Um, one thing I've learned is we women, we process. 
together and talking. So that's why we want to make sure that we have that time as well at your table. So no one's sitting alone. Don't sit alone. You can have a conversation all by yourself. All right. So um, worksheet question number one, fill in the blanks. This is our springboard text for today. Uh, found, actually, not in the Synoptic Gospels, but it's 1 John 4, 17. And in this union and communion, see, somebody knows I like to rhyme, so there it is. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because, and here's your phrase, and I, we're going we're gonna to come back to this time and time again, as he is, so are we in this world. So that long blank there is, as he is, he who, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. So how is Jesus? He walks in authority. He commands the winds, wind and the waves. He went about healing, raising the dead, uh, raising up lame people to walk, healing blind eyes. Can you say with me today, as he is, so are we in this world? We have the same power, authority that Jesus walked in. Not because we're so good, but because the greater one lives in us. And so learning to tap into what Jesus provided and then gave to us is what I see in um, what we're going to be talking about today. So I need to hear you say it. As he is, so are we in this world. And you notice that doesn't mean that you're going to get healed only when you die. Mm -mm. In this world. In this world, we have authority. In this world is what he's talking about. He has fully equipped us to walk in victory in this world. Because everything that Jesus did, and we're going to observe an amazing day in the life of Jesus today. And I think what's cool about it is that he was always about his father's work. But even Jesus got tired. So I say, okay, it's good to rest every once in a while. But he always did um, what the Holy Spirit showed him to do. <laughs> it's not my phone. That's the only thing I care about. Okay. All right. So the same authority that Jesus walked in, say it. So are we in this world. As Jesus is righteous, so are we in this world. The overriding thing is whatever Jesus did, he has fully equipped us to do also in this world. All right. So in context, uh, also on your sheet, I've completely printed everything that we're going to read today. Because I don't know about you, but I do better if I can see it in print. And since I'm um, going to be reading out of the Amplified Classic today. No, I'm sorry. It's just the Amplified. Um, I just wanted us to all be in the same place together. So as we read, we're going to start in Mark 5. But I want to give you a little context. Because it's certainly, um, if you just start in Chapter 5, you say, and then Jesus did this. But what happened before was absolutely amazing. And I'm going to read a little bit out of Mark 4. And on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples. Now, Jesus had already been teaching. This is where we see a lot of his parables. He um, was teaching at the beach. 
Boy, that's a man after my own heart. Um, and there was a great crowd there, and he taught from a boat so he could, uh, you could just see them all lined up on the beach. Wouldn't that be cool if that happened, um, you know, uh, in Grand Haven or something? You know, everybody's sitting on the beach, and there's somebody out there preaching. <laughs> Jesus. And so he's preaching, and he's telling parables, and this is going on and on. And then it said, uh, on the same day when Jesus uh, said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Okay, after a long day of preaching, he says, let's go for a boat ride. Okay, they're already in a boat, so now they're going to go across to the other side. And it was Jesus' idea. Why? Why? I'm sure he was tired. But he always did what the Father told him to do. Not more and no less. So something's brewing here. We're, just, we're not just going for a boat ride. There's a reason why Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took Jesus along in the boat as he was. That's kind of interesting. And other little boats were also with him. But a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. So I read that uh, the Greek meanings of this, it wasn't just a little rainstorm. This was of hurricane proportions. And so I don't fault the disciples when they were afraid they were going to die. The other thing is to know that these were fishermen. So I'm sure they had seen rough seas before, but this was something of demonic proportions. And I believe the devil was behind it to try and stop Jesus from getting to the other side. So um, it was, we find Jesus asleep in the boat. <laughs> and this kind of ticks the disciples off because <laughs> they're saying he's asleep. In the stern, on a pillow, I'm sure the waves were splashing over him too. But that was a picture of absolute perfect peace. Jesus was not afraid, and he was tired. <laughs> but in the stern, he was asleep. And the disciples wake him up and say, don't you care that we're dying, we're perishing? But they mistook Jesus' perfect peace for not caring, not true, Right? And then, so Jesus rose, and he stood up, and he re, it says he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace, be still. If you dig into the Greek, what he literally said was, I am. And he released the great I am, and the wind and the waves obeyed. And there was immediate peace, immediate calm. It says the wind ceased immediately and there was a great calm. But what he literally said, he released the entire power of his Godhead into the atmosphere. And the reaction was all creation just responded. That same great I am lives in you. And I used to say when things are getting a little crazy at home, because Amy's got three brothers. She was the only girl. We homeschooled, so they were all together all the time. And some days I would just walk into the room and say, peace be still. <laughs> I'm releasing peace in this room when there's chaos. And so we need to realize that the great I am is inside, and you can speak peace the same way that Jesus did. Because why? Because as he is, so are we. Amen? All right. So then he turns to his disciples. He says, why are you so fearful? 
How is it that you have no faith? Out, it's a little rebuke there, but he said, they feared exceedingly. And this is another kind of fear. They looked at Jesus and went, who are you? And I find it very interesting that Jesus, they're walking with Jesus. They're watching firsthand eyewitness for all these miracles. And they've already seen some, and they still don't know who he is. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus is in the process, everywhere he goes, of revealing who he is, not only to the population at large, but to also to his disciples. Because these guys, he's only got so much time to be with these 12 guys, and they're going to be responsible for turning the world upside down. So he knows as he's feeding into them, as he's feeding into them, they become more and more confident in who he is. But at this time, they're saying, who is he that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow. All right. So now, go to worksheet uh, Number two on your sheets there. You should have two sheets, right? The fill in the blank one and then the reading one. All right. Talking about fear, Jesus said, why were you so fearful? We're going to find fear popping up in our story again. It must, if it's, if it's something so important that we need to hear from Jesus on, how many of you know we're probably dealing with it too? All right, and he addressed it. Every time you see something repeated in the word of God, it adds value and importance to it. This is really important for us to know these things about fear. First of all, I would say fear is a spirit, and it's not you. And you don't have to entertain any demonic activity, any spiritual uh, darkness in your life. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Jesus didn't put up with anything with the devil, which is why the devil hated him, because Jesus just messed up his plans, didn't it? But fear, number two here, fear is a prophet spirit sent to give you a negative report of your future that God cannot and will not bless. And I want to give credit where credit is due. And you can just leave that up there for a while, Jordan. Um, this is actually a quote from Jimmy Evans when I heard a teaching on um, spiritual warfare. Just rocked my world. So if fear is a spirit, it's a prophetic spirit trying to give you a negative report. We're surely going to die. You can't do this. Just, you might as well give up. It's hopeless. This situation's never going to change. It's trying to tell you your future, and it's never a positive report of your future. But I like to turn that around because if, if fear is a demonic, prophetic spirit sent to give you a negative report of your future, guess what the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is here to give you a positive report of your future with a hope, a destiny, and purpose. So here's, here's Satan firing his best shot to take Jesus out with this um, incident at sea, and it didn't work. So let's go to Mark 5, start reading for what we're doing here uh, for today's reading. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of Gerasenes, something like that. When Jesus got out of the boat, 
Immediately, a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And the man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had often been bound with shackles for the feet and with chains, and he tore apart the chains and broke the shackles into pieces. And no one was strong enough to subdue and tame him. Night and day, he was constantly screaming and shrieking among the tombs and on the mountains and cutting himself with sharp stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. Interesting chain of events. Why did Jesus go to the other side? For this one man. Why would he do that? Because Jesus is the good shepherd, and he would leave the 99 just to minister to one lost sheep. Oh, the love of Jesus. And the devil knew that this was going to be uh, so what kingdom work that Jesus was about. He did everything he could to try and stop it. But immediately this man runs up. And you know what? Um, this is a very sensitive subject, but I find it interesting that we learned that this man was cutting himself. Cutting today uh, is a very serious issue, but can we just say it's a spiritual issue, okay? And it's a demonic way that the devil... Uh, lies to uh, apparently it's it's much more widespread than we could even know and so if you know of someone or if this is something that you have dealt with it is a spiritual issue and it is it needs to be bound and taken authority over and there's a real deliverance to be done here it's not a hard thing it's just standing up to the uh, demonic activity that is always to steal, kill, and destroy. That is always the aim of every demonic activity. And so, because as he is, so are we in this world. You have authority, and you can help someone else. Uh, I know there's, there's counseling available, but I'll tell you what. It's all about deliverance. Because we've got to break our agreement with the lies that would cause people to do this. So as he is, so are we in this world. And so what's interesting is that here's this demoniac, and we learn later there are just thousands of demons that this man has uh, so far uh, been taken over by. But he comes and he worships at the feet of Jesus. Do you find that kind of strange? You would think that he wouldn't have the power or the ability to but the fact that this tormented man ran to Jesus and didn't run away from him indicates that even demon possessed people still have a free will and Satan cannot control people without their consent and this was actually one of our um, worksheet questions last week so look on your uh, fill in the blanks number three is spiritual influence is empowered by human agreement the devil has no right to come against you except what you allow. That's a little, uh, I, I'm really making you girls accountable. All right, that's a little bit of a heavy thing to say. But when Jesus died on the cross, we know that he spent three days in the tomb, but we are told that he descended into hell. And what he did is he totally stripped the devil of all of his weapons, it says. He left him powerless. So the only weapon he still possesses are lies. And if you believe the lies, you receive the lies, you've opened the door. So come on in. 
and he gets to do what he wants to do until you realize that if I'm not going to agree with that and I'm going to stand up in the authority of Jesus that he and do what Jesus did because he's the greater one in me, then I can shut that door. And we're going to watch Jesus help this demoniac shut the door. So I call him demoniac. That sounds really religious. But anyway, he could exercise his will and, uh, because the devil occupies uh, real estate in our hearts if we allow it. But we can close doors and break our agreement with his lives. Um, I've even uh, been in it uh, several times. Um, this doesn't scare me. All right, And it shouldn't scare anyone to say, uh, in the name of Jesus, devil, spirit of suicide, get out. In the name of Jesus, that spirit that's causing you to cut yourself, get out in Jesus' name. You have no right. You stand up and you take authority, and people need us to stand with them and to let them know this is not okay. You are not the devil's doormat for him to wipe his dirty feet on. And he is trespassing, but he won't get out until you take authority. If you've opened the door, you still have to close that door. And so here is this man who is kneeling, worshiping Jesus. And he literally was prostrate before Jesus. And it says, and screaming with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have in common with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. Now who's talking? The demon is. The man had exercised his will to run to Jesus, and now the demon, he's, he is allowing the demon to talk. Um, I've been a part of things where, you know, <laughs> and the movies are, have given way too much credit to the devil, you know, the turning of the head and the foaming of the mouth and the, the throwing of things and all that. You know what? That person doesn't have to do that. And I was recently praying for someone, and she started to shake, and something was going on with her leg. And I just said to her, you don't have to do that. And I put my hand on her, and then she just, she was beginning to exercise her will. When you're totally sold out, yeah, they have full control. But, um, and we, we looked at that thing. And I don't see spirits, okay, and I want to get super goofy spiritual um, crazy on you. But I, I had a sense, and it was like, you have to go. The Bible says if we're submitted to God, we resist the devil. He has to go. He has, and he might not want to go. And if he's been there long enough, it's almost like there's roots. And that's kind of how I see it when I, I'm um, addressing an issue because I believe there's a demonic um, stronghold. And I had to, con I just commanded, I said, you pull up your sticky roots. It was like this blob of sticky uh, that's all I can explain, and it didn't see it out here, and it wasn't something I touched. It was a sense that I had, and I could tell it didn't want to go. It didn't want to go. I said, no, you have to go. No, you have to go. We are set, we are not, and then I finally said, we are not leaving until you go. And then it's like you pray through, and then you get the breakthrough, and, you said, and I said to the girl, I said, what just happened? Now, we're going to find that Jesus asked, he talked to the spirit. The spirit was talking to him. He says, you know, what's your name? He says, my name's Legion. That means he was thousands, actually. And um, I don't believe you have to do that. We don't have to make a doctrine about that, okay? But when I asked her, I said, what just happened? And she said, I choose life. This was a spirit of suicide. 
and it had been there a long time. And so then I could minister to her, do you realize the lies that you've been believing? Oh, I see it now. And I said, today you made a faith statement. You choose life, and you hang on to that. So um, I say all that to say demons are more afraid of you than we are of them if you will know your authority in Jesus Christ. If they are a spirit of fear, guess what? They're scaredy cats. They operate in fear, all right? So you stand up to them, they've got to go. Boy, I just feel like we have to know that. Is that good? All right. So Jesus is talking to this demon, and he says, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? And we're reading now. And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began repeatedly um, asking Jesus not to send the demons out of the region. So why didn't Jesus just destroy the demons? Because they're spirit beings. They are fallen angels. You can't, you can't uh, kill them, but you can resist them, and you can command them. All right? So they, they can't die, unfortunately. But demons don't die, but... We can tell them to leave. So Jesus gave them permission. <laughs> Who's in charge? Jesus gave permission, and they recognized that. They recognized that Jesus was the one to ask, please, pretty please, will you please send us in the pigs? Interesting uh, uh, thing that they asked for. And that's Jesus operating in his authority. And the unclean spirits came out of the man and entered into the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, all went crazy. Just as crazy as the man was before that, now the pigs are crazy, all right? And the numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and they were drowned one after the other in the sea. And, you know, at first glance, I think, that wasn't very nice. Kill some poor farmers, you know, 2,000 pigs. And actually, in, in uh, today's, uh, what'd you say, economy, uh, if 2,000 swine were killed, that was probably a loss for this particular farmer of about $150,000 in today's um, denominations of money. So it didn't seem like a really nice thing that Jesus did, but then I read a commentary that said, but Jews weren't supposed to have anything to do with pigs in the first place, according to the Levitical law. So this guy, I don't know. I, I can't go there. Anyway, so the herdsmen tending the pigs ran away and reported it in the city and the country, and the people came to see what had happened. They came to see Jesus, and this is what they saw. They saw a man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed and in his right mind. The man who had previously had the legion of demons, and they were frightened. That was a frightful thing that they were looking at. And here's a familiar verse about fear, 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Again, we're identifying that fear is always a spirit. But this is what God has released for us, power, love, and a sound mind. Now we see that this man is clothed and in his right mind. And this is where I want to uh, dip into Rick Renner's sparkling gems. The word sound mind in the Greek is sophroneo, and it literally means this. You know, I want you to close your eyes for a moment because this is what God is releasing to you today. God has given you a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, and brought into a place of safety and security so that it is no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. 
all packed into a sound mind. You're not going crazy. I feel like somebody needs to know that. Let me read that one more time. This is the mind that comes from Jesus himself. He says, your mind has, that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, and brought into a place of safety and security so that it is no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. That's what I call deliverance. As he is, so are we in this world. So when Satan comes with terrifying thoughts, you can't do this, you're going under, this doesn't make sense, you're going crazy, you tell the devil to shut up. That's a lie. And declare by faith that your mind is sound, safe, and secure. Yes, I said shut up. <laughs> I'm not nice to the devil, and you don't need to be. You don't need to be courteous. He's just out to kill you. So we have a sure defense. We have authority. Those who had seen it described in detail to the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them all about the pigs, made a big ruckus in that region. So the people began to beg with Jesus to leave their region. They were scared of the authority that Jesus walked in. As he was stepping into the boat, the Gentile man who had been demon-possessed was begging with him, asking that he might go with Jesus as a disciple. You know, Jesus called 12 and this guy said, can I be 13? And Jesus said, no. He did not let him come, but instead he said to him, go home. I love that. Go home to your family. He had been with his family. His family knew he was crazy. He was a dangerous man. He says, go home to your family and tell them all the great things that the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so this man did that. He went away and began to publicly proclaim in Decapolis, which was actually a region of 10 cities. Was this man an effective witness for the power of God? So Jesus knew he'd be more effective in 10 cities than it would have been climbing in the boat with him. Jesus knows. That's awesome. And all the great things that Jesus had done for him and all the people were <gasps> astonished. You could not argue with looking at this man who had been crazy, who was now in his right mind and could testify and give God all the glory. All right, we've got to keep moving here. Woo. When Jesus had again crossed over in the boat to the other side of the sea, a large crowd gathered around him. Okay, he's back. <laughs> Teaching, crossed. The sea, deliverance, and now we're back. Okay, all in a day in the life of Jesus. All right? So now he's back. And a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. Perfect place. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus, J-I-R-U-S, I'm just going to say Jairus, is that okay? Um, came up, and seeing him fell at Jesus' feet and begged anxiously with him, saying, Can't, and I want you to under, underline what he said to Jesus. My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. What first strikes me about this is that here Jairus is a synagogue ruler. And it were the synagogue people, church leaders, who hated Jesus and ended up uh, causing him to be crucified. Of course, Jesus allowed it to happen. It was part of the plan. But these were the very men Leaders who hated Jesus, but not Jairus. He is professing by coming to Jesus, he's recognizing his power. And really, without saying it in so many words, he's 
honoring Jesus as Lord. And so, but I want you to, to, to reread that. Do you hear Jairus's faith statement? And it's very, very important when you are facing a dilemma, when you're facing something that is very, uh, could be gripping your heart with fear, what are you going to say? What is going to come out of your mouth? And this was a dire situation. This was life and death. And his poor little daughter was sick at the point of death. And he says exactly what he believed in her, his heart. Now, I don't want you to say, think that I'm telling you, you have to say the right thing in order to see a miracle. No, you have to believe the right thing. Right? And so he is speaking out of his mouth what is in his heart. This is what he really, truly believed. And he says, Jesus, if you'll just come, and if you will lay hands on her, she will be healed and live. He really believed this. He wasn't just tickling Jesus' ears. So he was really saying, Jesus, you are a healer. And so number five on your sheets there, I believe this is so true. Our faith statement, two words, faith statement, what's coming out of your mouth, is an important part of our receiving from God. The Bible says what's in your heart in abundance gets squeezed up and out of our mouths. If you, and I always say this, if you listen to someone long enough, they will tell on themselves. Whatever is in our heart in abundance comes out of our mouth. And so this man's faith statement was real. And there is a measure of cooperation with the Holy Spirit when we are really receiving from God. So, for instance, the Roman centurion uh, came to Jesus because his servant lay dying and was very sick. Kind of the same scenario, different person, okay, different story. But Jesus said, um, okay, I'll come. He was ready to go to the man's house. And the man said, no, um, I'm a man of authority. He was a, a ruler over men and he said and and when I tell my servants to do something they do it because I'm the one that they obey I have the authority and I recognize that you have authority and so all you have to do is speak a word and I know my servant will be healed cool different faith statement but Jesus said he marveled at this man's faith he wasn't even a Jew he was not a Hebrew man. He was a Roman who crucified Jesus in the end, right? So here we have this whole story again, but it was the man's faith statement that Jesus marveled at. And many times you'll find in the Gospels when there's a miracle and there's a faith statement spoken, Jesus says, let it be unto you according to your faith. Ladies, our faith is part of the equation of receiving from God. And what you truly believe is what activates the very promises of God. And so Jesus says to Jairus, I'll come, let's go. But unfortunately, as we find in verse 24, <laughs> and Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed him and pressed in around him from all sides. And a woman in the crowd had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years. We get numbers in our story sometimes, and I believe numbers are very important. Keep Put little number 12 on the shelf, and we'll talk about it a little bit later because we're going to hear it again. So a woman in the crowd had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much suffering at the hands of many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but instead had become worse. How horrible. She was worse off and poor. That's terrible. So I think that we hear about 
how long people have been disabled. Uh, we've got, you know, a man blind from birth. We have uh, a lame man lame from birth. And now we, uh, there's a woman bent over um, for 18 years. And then we had this woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And uh, I believe this is what the message is behind that. It's never too late to get your healing. Sometimes this has been going on for years and years, and then we start to accept it as normal. And Jesus says, uh-uh, there's a better way. There's a better way. It's never too late to get your healing. And it says that she had heard reports about Jesus, and she came up from behind in the crowd and touched his outer robe. Now, did he, she touch him? No, he, she just touched her clothes because listen to her faith statement. For she thought, she didn't even say it out loud, but she, this was what she truly believed. If I just touch his clothing, I will get well. Wow. Let it be unto you according to your faith. So that's her faith statement. And Luke 8 tells us, okay, I need real quick, like five volunteers. Come on up here. Come, come. Quick, quick. All right, you're my crowd. All right, and I'm Jesus, and Jairus is with me, and we're trying to get through the crowd, so come on. You're going to press in. Come on. That's like almost suffocating me. Come on. Oh, can't get through. Oh, no. And all of a sudden, somebody touches my clothing, and they say, who touched me? And the disciples say, who touches you? Look. You're just completely surrounded. It's such to the point of suffocation. Thank you, girls. <laughs> so Jesus knew that she, he had been touched. He didn't, she didn't even touch his skin. She touched what they said, the hem of her, his garment. But immediately her flow of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body and knew without any doubt that she was healed of her suffering. Immediately. I love Mark. He says immediately a lot. It's Jesus recognizing in himself that power had gone out from him. It wasn't that he felt somebody touching him because everybody was touching him. He was pressed in on all sides. But he recognized that power had come out. And this woman who, re who reached out in faith to touch and receive, she was immediately healed. And so still, Jesus is ignoring his disciples. He says, who was that? Who was that? Who was that? He kept looking. And here's Jairus saying, come on, Jesus. Come on. We got to keep going. Crowd, get out of the way. My daughter's lying, dying. I don't even blame him. But Jesus stops. And this was important to him. He says, who touched me? And the woman had made a withdrawal on God's heavenly bank account for her. And your faith is that ATM card, the debit card. She, she believed it, and she made a withdrawal, and Jesus felt power go out from him. God's promises and his will is for you to be well, and he invites us to always receive. Get that faith card out and make a withdrawal for yourself. Number four, your faith builds a bridge that provides a path for spiritual blessings to cross over and become manifest in the physical realm. And I'm running out of time, and I don't want, I don't want, to, uh, I don't want to hurry through too much. I think we're actually going to stop there and jump to, um, oh, Lord, what do I do? Okay, well, I'm going to come back, and, and, and we're going to talk more about Jairus, and we know what happened. But I really feel like the powerful message for today is fear is the opposite of faith. It will negate what God's promises are for us. And Jesus needed the positive power of faith 
in order for those miracles to become manifest. But fear is what the devil throws at us. So let's just jump to the last question there because it's going to be part of your discussion. In John 14, 27, Jesus said this to his disciples, and this is for all of us here, peace. First blank. I leave with you. What kind of peace? He says, my perfect peace. When you need peace, you can't manufacture it. It will not be found in, in chaotic situations. You can't cause peace just by making everybody else behave themselves. All right? That is not real peace. Jesus says, I have a peace that only I can give. And it's the same peace that he spoke and the wind and the waves obeyed. So he says, my perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. And now the next couple of small words here. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. And even in the brackets there, it says, let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Deeper meaning for letting God's perfect peace be the calming in your storm. And that also tells me who has the power to let? Only you. I cannot let your heart be troubled, not be troubled. I can't do that for you. And you can't expect anybody else to do that. But God gives us the ability, the responsibility to be in charge of your heart. You are in charge of your let. And so you have to refuse all of the lies of the enemy, all the things that fear speaks to you. And you say, no, I'm going to draw on the peace of God that doesn't even make sense sometimes in these situations. I believe that I have courage and strength for every challenge. But even if things appear to get worse, you say, Lord, I refuse to worry about this. In the midst of all this, I see the finished work of Christ. And he left me his peace. He said, it is finished, so my child's healing is accomplished. My marriage is blessed. My debts are cleared. I will not let my heart be troubled by these things. And no one can let not for you. The scripture that I think of is in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. And see, when you guard your heart, God will guard everything else for you. And you can trust him to do that. So ladies, on the back side of that paper, like I said, we're going to continue that. So if you're planning on being here next week, we will finish up because there's too many wonderful points that we didn't get to today. But I think we can have some time of sharing um, at the tables if you would um, just rise up and read questions. And uh, we'll close in about 15 minutes.